Hello, welcome to the Cities on the Frontline Urban Exchange Podcast. We've created this space for city leaders and urban practitioners to come together for a few minutes to share the opportunities and challenges they are grappling with as they drive transformative change in cities today. I'm Lauren Sorkin, Executive Director of the Resilient Cities Network. We are a city-led network of nearly 100 city members around the world, working to build urban resilience that enables cities to thrive no matter the shock or stress faced. And I'm pleased you've joined us for this episode hosted with our partner, Smart Cities World, with sponsorship from our friends and co-conspirators in urban resilience, the World Bank. Cities are truly on the front line of delivering a future that is resilient, sustainable, economically robust, healthy and equitable for all of us. It is no small charge. At the Resilient Cities Network, we provide forums like this to bring together knowledge, practice and partnerships that support and encourage city leaders and urban practitioners in their efforts. Now, over to my co-host, Paul Wilson, chair of the Smart Cities World Advisory Board. Thanks, Lauren. It's great to be doing this with you. I'm chair of Smart Cities World's Advisory Board, and every year more than a million people read Smart Cities World and 30,000 people are members gaining access to special reports and content. Members include officials from more than a thousand cities with new members every single week. And in the day job, I'm Chief Business Officer at Connected Places Catapult, the UK's innovation accelerator for cities, transport and places. Together, we're sharing ideas that solve urban challenges, bringing people together from the public, private, academic, and not-for-profit sectors. Our Urban Exchange podcast will take us around the world to meet people working on the front line. In the second half of this two-part episode of Cities on the Frontline, Urban Exchange, we pick back up with Monica Barone, CEO of the City of Sydney, to discover how partnerships between local communities and the private sector can drive positive outcomes for Sydney. Back to Jeff Rizome of Gell Architects now to pick up where he left off with Monica. Okay, welcome everyone. This is Jeff Rizome partner and chief innovation officer at Gale. And here, I'd like to welcome you to the second part of our conversation with Sydney CEO, Monica Barone. Here we pick up a bit where we left off last time, but now focusing on some of more of the details of the 2050 sustainability plan that the city has just released. Now, I really love and am inspired by so many parts of this new sustainability plan, but there's a portion in particular that I think is uh, especially noteworthy. The tagline I can see for it is, our vision is for a sustainable future where everyone does their part to respond to the climate emergency. And to me, I really, that's an amazing sentence actually. And it speaks to what you say about both social capital, but also responsibility. Am I reading too much into that? Or does it signify to you almost you know, what you've mentioned and more in terms of an evolving relationship with citizens. It seems like it's more than just participation, getting input from them, um, you know, answering oh, questionnaires. It's partnership. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's way more yeah. than that. Yeah, so, so talk a little bit more about what that looks like now, as opposed to what it was when you first started engaging the community maybe 14, 15 years ago. 
Okay, so it's definitely deeper and deeper and deeper as a consequence of persistence, right? You know, I'm going to answer the question about, you know, how do we do? What what does it do? What what does it look like when if you come to the city of Sydney and I show you a partnership agreement, what does that look like? That part, what does it look like? But I just want to talk about two things though before then, and that's you know why this is so important. And there's two things here. One is that we, and I say this to our staff all the time, you know, when we describe our city through Sustainable Sydney 2030 to 2050, we're describing what to the com- back to the community what they've told. It's it's an expression of them what they've told us they value, right? So when we have the conversation with the community, I mean, it's many faceted and there's a million different, you know, workshops and surveys and art classes and all the rest of it. But essentially, every one of them is saying, what do you value, right? And how do we protect what people value? How do we protect what you value as the city grows and changes? Because the city will grow and change. So it's an expression of values, right? But we then have to convert that, and this is really important, we convert that into often into physical things. So if people say we value the sunlight, then we say, well, here's the new the control plan for the city which which protects the sun access plans. You cannot build a building that encroaches on that sun access on your park. Right. So here's a physical, here's an expression of that. So 20 because people, like I said, you can't see emissions coming down, right? But you you, you've got to you, you've got to give people a physical expression. Of course, so much of the work that we did with Gal Architects um, is about that. How you take those values and you turn them into things that people can see and feel and touch. So the first thing that's important is that we give people um, a plan, right, that expresses what they value. The other thing is that we give people a possible future, and that is so important because we cannot we cannot do anything if we think. We've we've been defeated. Now I know what the I know just how hard what we're all trying to do is, but you cannot come to work each day and you cannot speak to your community um, unless you're prepared to present a positive and viable future. And that's what that document does, right? We are there to right. And then the next thing I want to talk about, and this comes to the partnership, is that the best thing you can do when you are worried about something is to actively do something about it. And so those partnerships don't just help us deliver against the action. They also create energy and a a positive outlook and a can-do society, right? So what underlies our way of working and our way of conducting ourselves is things that we believe about what is our role in supporting our community and our society, right? So then what does it look like? Exactly, we do exactly what you've said. The, the thing about the city of Sydney is we actually have very little power. Local government in Australia doesn't make laws, right? So most of what we do is through sheer bloody-mindedness and persuasion is trying to get people to come with us on the journey. The more people think it's their idea, the more they'll go on the journey. The more they say, gee, it's fun to come together and see if we can, you know, build the most green commercial buildings in the world. That feels really good. You know, I feel good about myself when I go home. I feel good about myself when I speak to my board. I feel like I'm doing something. The more we can do that, the more people will be energized and be, you know, active participants in 
creating a viable future. Yeah, well, so, I love how you talk about it. I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, it's not wagging the finger at someone. It's oh, not, no. you say, you talk about persuasion, right? But it's really about speaking to them about the things that impa- impact their life every day, having some empathy from what the community might be feeling like, right? Because you see, we, it never starts with, we're telling you, or, you know, this is what we believe impacts you. This is what we always say. Now, remember when we asked you what's important and you said, does doing something about that look like this? Or remember when you said to us, when we talked about what's important and you said, you know what, if we could do this, it, things would be better. And we go back and we say, okay, you know how you said we could do this? Do you think we could do this? Do you think we could all get together and do this thing that you suggested? Because we think we could. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love, and I, and I think, you know, just to outline what I love about the, the, the plan and also what you're saying is, right, you have this very future forward, uh, you know, 28 years ambitious. from now, very, very ambitious, but also very practical and very tangible, right? So you have these projects, the methods for the projects, you know, things like public places for all, um, more walking and, and cycling, uh, but also, you know, more related to thriving cultural and creative life. So you have these directions, projects to get there. And then I'm, what I would love to ask you as well is some of these metrics. I mean, these are uh, very, very precise metrics. 15% reduction in waste generated by every person. Uh, 700,000 new jobs. So you, these are, these are tangible. The impact 40, of these lives. 40,000 square meters of new cultural space. <laughs> yeah, 40, exactly. We can, the, it's, it's so great. You have, the, they encompass almost every part of city life, but you still have only 10 of them. So, but, but well, so this, we only have 10 at the high level. That's right. That's right. But I, I think it's a good thing. But I think it's a good thing. Up to that. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. it's a good thing to have this summarized, right? But what I'm, but what I want to get at is A, it's an ambitious and pragmatic report. I think cities should be thinking about that all the time, measurable. But you touched on a little bit here is that, well, Sydney doesn't have control, 100% control over a lot of the things that you're, that you're aiming for success in your vision. So, can you talk a little bit more about how you collaborate not only with citizens, but with various forms of government, whether it be regional or, or state? How is that tension or leverage playing out in this, uh, in this plan? The first thing is we've never been afraid to have that bold vision, right? We've never been afraid. We've just said, look, if we're going to get there as a city, if we're going to survive the climate emergency, if we're going to have a just transition, if we're going to have those things that we say are important to us, then we have to be bold. And we just have to say, well, it looks like this, right? Folks, if that's what you want, it looks like this. And so the first thing is describing it is really important because if you've told us you want to be able to get around by light rail and bike, well, here's a picture of it. Okay, let's start with that, right? So is that what you want? Okay, we're going to have to do something that's not going to be easy, but now let's at least we're all talking about the same thing, right? So you've got to describe it, you've got to give it an image, you've got to give it projects that, you know, people can say, oh, I, I, I get that, or I've seen that before somewhere else, right? So we've never been afraid to do that. There's nothing a city hates more, particularly Sydney, because we're so competitive, than to hear that another city has managed to put a light rail in or another city has managed to do cycling or another city has managed to install decentralized energy. You know, like there's nothing like that competitiveness. So that's the first thing we did. Well, other people have done it. We're going to look pretty silly if we don't pull it off, right? Yeah, both competitive but also that it's possible, right? It's possible, that's right, that's right. 
That's right. So first we did that. And and the amazing thing is, you know, Jeff, we've pulled up. We have achieved almost everything we set out to do, even though when we first started, we didn't even know how we were going to do it, right? But by describing it and committing to it, we, we get there and we continue to get there. But, yes, we have to work so closely with other people. And the first part, of course, is to persuade them, you know, and then we just, you know, painstakingly work with people one person at a time, one group at a time. I have to say, when we did the resilience plan, because most resilience plans, you know, you have to have some sort of overarching kind of lens, right? So, you know, in some cities in the Resilient Sydney Network, you know, racial tension was the lens. Like if you didn't sort that, you couldn't do anything else, right? Um, You know, so different cities had different things that were the kind of deal breaker. If you don't deal with this, then you can't get to everything else because this is what's preoccupying you or, or you're it's standing in your way, right? What we worked out in the city when we did our resilience plan was that, that in the city of Sydney, in Sydney, metropolitan Sydney, because the resilience plan is in metropolitan Sydney, right, the whole sort of five and a half million people, we worked out that across metropolitan Sydney there were 100 different organisations or agencies that did what, in a city like the city of New York, was done by just the city of New York. Now, the city of New York is huge and there's silos. and I mean, they're going to have the same problems, right? But it was like there was a 100 different organisations that if we were the city of New York, would at least all be under one mayor, whereas this was under 33 mayors and all our ministers and and our premier, right, and all their agencies and departments, right? So our lens was governance. So therefore, everything we do is designed around how do we get the right parties together? Not everybody, but if we're going to do affordable housing project, who are the key six people across different departments, agencies and not-for-profits who can help us make the step change? If we're going to do food security, who are the key 10 people who, you know, if brought into the room, can influence, persuade, Um, or have authority, well, obviously you want people with some authority, and then can influence or persuade to make things happen. So every project starts, because governance is our challenge, every project starts with what are the governance arrangements? Who just has to be on board for us to be able to progress? But it makes you be intentional. So, you know, right now there's a lot of trends in work, uh, you know, decentralized organizations, networked organizations, maybe being a, a, thought, a, a theory of the future in terms of how we can collaborate. And that stands in contrast to the giant corporation, right? Maybe to the city of New York where everything is under one roof. And I almost, as I hear you talk about the challenge of working in Sydney, it almost seems a little bit more, you know, future fit uh, because you're, you're, you have a decentralized organization. You have to create very targeted coalitions and you have to engage people directly. In a big city where everything's under one roof, people assume that maybe it's coordinated or they don't take as much responsibility for it. But it, but it seems like, I, I know it's a, it's a, it, it wasn't planned that way, but it seems like Sydney potentially, that governance model is very much future fit in terms of what we need to do with it, uh, going forward in the next 20, 30 years. Yeah, and you've made me think I should get someone to write this all down. I think so. I think you, you know, <laughs> just as why, a case study. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the decentralized government. To write it down about their networking like <laughs> <Right>. crazy. <laughs> um, amazing, but it does. But it is messy. 
right? Because it, it, it's not just cascading sort of enforcements of, of power. It is the relationships and it is the, the connections that I say messy, but it means it's really human. I know we talk a, a lot about this on our executive and in our organization. Maybe we talk a lot about probably not enough is that it is messy, but actually, you know, to survive in a to survive now in a kind of modern and and we you know Australians are actually quite good at this because we've had multiculturalism for so long. Like multiculturalism is such a key policy in Australia that despite some you know issues around the edges, we've always been a people that navigate through multiple cultures, belief systems. You know, like we we run our communities with a multiplicity of these things and those of us that are you know and what we strive to be is confident people who can do that with with ease and joy and curiosity you know i mean the 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 the, the opposite of that is when people become fearful protectionist populist racist right so the, if you don't do that, that's what you get in your society. We've had so many years of multiculturalism that a lot of us know how to do that with an ease and curiosity and comfort. But even in our society, we're seeing those other forces starting to grow a little bit more. And that's why, you know, again, I keep coming back to this thing that, you know, like the medium is the message, the way we conduct ourselves in everything we do, it, the way we do it as is, is as important as what we do because the way we do is about modelling that. And when we talk about resilience, it's those attributes that actually lead to quicker recovery and su- survival and recovery, isn't it? It's not, you know, you, you, know, you can have the most perfect um, systems and disaster recovery people and all the rest of it, but if your society is fractured, it, it's very hard for them to do their job. Often it's, the you know, the, the bouncing back often is from, from within the society, not support, you know, from outside the, those that come to help you. So so I love the, the very humanness of this, the both practicality and ambition part of this. I just want to have one last question for you, Monica, that, and these are always difficult. But if we just um, think innovation-wise, digitalization-wise, energy wise, whatever, is there something that's just sort of emerging in your head that's too crazy or far out to have been included in the plan right now, but that you wake up every once in a while or you hear a podcast or you read an article and you think, oh, I bet that that technology or that innovation might be at the cusp, uh, something that's going to be relevant for you? Or is there what's tingling at the edges of your brain and imagination? You mentioned earlier about, you know, the targets, metrics. I mean, we spend a lot of time on, you know, having excellent data and using that data, right? So, and the Resilient Sydney platform is one of the things I am most proud of because that's a platform that provides our entire metropolitan city with all of its missions, water, waste, canopy. We're looking at putting affordable housing, well-being data on it, right? And so the emissions piece, for example, gives you, you can goes down to suburb level. So I can look up, you know, Surrey Hills with a population of two or 3,000, right, or 5,000. And I can see the emissions profile right down to suburb level. Is it coming from cars? Is it coming from houses? Is it coming from commercial buildings? Is it coming from waste? So that we can do suburb level. I mean, we wouldn't do suburb level you know, but and, well, actually, one one of our cities, one of our local governments in the in the network, you know, 
um, you know, was able to look at, you know, it shows a solar panel on roofs in domestic solar panels down to suburb level and was able to target the suburbs where people were not putting solar panels on and target the um, promotion and rebates to those suburbs, right? And then it, every every local government area then can have an emissions reduction plan based on that. And we've just developed a net zero app where you can plug in different policy um different policies and see what that does to your net zero profile right so it's so the data and that's just the emissions piece right so the data platform and we've got the whole of sydney every all 33 councils hundreds of people right across the city using that platform to make evidence-based decisions right so that is one of the things i'm most proud of and it's developed by a Sydney-based tech company that we started working with here at the City of Sydney more than 10 years ago, right? Because it had to be a partnership because that sort of platform didn't exist, right? So the plan is written in such a way that you can't wake up at night and say, what about this technology or this project? Because the plan is written around values and principles, right? So it doesn't determine that this is the best piece of technology or this is the best program, right? It, it's all about the outcome you get, right? So a different way to put it is this. Everything can fit under that plan except, right, and this is the one thing I, because people often say to me, how do you and the Lord Mayor, you know, manage to get along and work together for so long and, you know, and it's because we both know our roles, right? So the Lord, obviously she does this in partnership with me because I'm providing the evidence space, but essentially the Lord Mayor gives me a target, a timeline and a budget, and that's all I need. So we need to bring emissions down by this much. You've got so many years and you've got $100. Now knock yourself out. And that's where innovation really comes from, right? So then you sit down and you go, okay, I've got so many days. I've got, I've got to get to that destination with this money, this much money, and this much time. And that's how we've solved our problems because then we get every, all the smart people around the table. We go, okay, what's it going to be? What's going to get us closest? And that's what you want from your political leaders, right? You don't want what often happens, and this is where the evidence base of the Resilient City platform is so important, and it's the same platform we've used in the city forever, for, you know, since we adopted 2030, that same data platform, and now we've given it to all of, we're using it across all of Sydney, is that when a politician or an executive comes up with an idea because they've been lobbied by some tech company or some waste provider, processing provider, whatever, you punch it into the system and you say, it's not going to get us there. It's not worth it. That is not worth the effort because that's going to give me 1% reduction, but this other project's going to give me 10%. I'm going with a 10% project because I've only got that $100. Amazing. I mean, it sounds, you know, we started out with the definition of CEO, but what I really hear in your, what you're, in your role is having that freedom and that uh, opportunity to deliver results based on value, shared values that you share with your uh, elected leadership. And that, that, that is an 100% informed by the community. So that is an amazing way to show what's possible, make things tangible to get the community not only involved, but on board and part 
of the solution, taking the time to build those relationships. I love what you were saying about it's not only what you're doing, but how you're doing it. So if you're going to talk about social capital, you have to build it painstakingly year by year, person by person, conversation by conversation over time and not get too stuck on a particular technology fix because at the end of the day, it's what's going to give us the biggest bang for the buck. So real inspiration, Monica, I think for not only practitioners like myself, but I think hopefully for city leaders and maybe most importantly, citizens for what they should expect from their government and leadership. So a real pleasure to learn from you today and get your, your insights. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's really a pleasure. Across each of Sydney's 33 cities, climate action plans are created around the values and principles that citizens respect and appreciate, leading to greater engagement and more committed action. A focus on outcomes is paramount in Sydney's efforts to build resilience and tackle the changing climate. And the city's proactive, community-facing strategies are giving it every opportunity to meet its increasingly pressing objectives. Our thanks for this episode go to Monica Barone for taking the time to demonstrate the positive and practical work that she and her team are doing in Sydney, and to Jeff Rizome from Gell for hosting. Stay tuned for a new episode in the near future. We'll see you there.